Businesses thrive by knowing customer insights because today's insights are tomorrow's facts. At iResearch, we live and breathe insights. And despite searching high and low, we were unable to find a customer insights podcast that answers one of the most important questions in business. Why do customers do what they do? So we launched one. Hi, I'm your host, Darshan Mehta. Dan Ensign is today's guest on Getting to AHA. Dan has over 15 years of experience across all phases of research, including study design, sample planning, advanced data analysis, and actionable storytelling. He has worked on several different types of studies, but his expertise is in ad testing, concept testing, product testing, and awareness and usage, and has vast experience within the consumer packaged goods, financial services, and healthcare. Dan is currently the VP of Research Solutions at Toluna Corporate. Toluna delivers a real-time customer insights at the speed of on-demand economy. Welcome, Dan. How are you? Thanks. Good morning, Darshan. Happy to be here. So for someone who's been in the industry for 15 years, I'm curious, what are some of the aha moments that have led you to where you are now and to, for you to get into research? So interestingly enough, it was not something that I was planning to do. I actually went to college for business and I got my degree in economics and I went to work on the financial services side for three years. Wasn't so exciting, honestly. So I thought I wanted to try something else and I actually ended up in law school for a year. So tried that. That wasn't really my thing either. And then I ended up back in business school and I got my MBA in marketing intelligence. And that's what really lit the fire in me to pursue a career in, in market research. What in particular lit your fire in research? So I took a class in advanced research statistics and it basically we got into the how and why people make certain decisions. So the psychology behind it um, and then putting some numbers behind it. So you have that qualitative data along with the quant. And it allows companies to make really well-informed decisions. So it sounds like you have a similar passion that I've had is really trying to get to those core insights that really drive people, especially when you mention the psychology of consumers. So, yeah, you know, I thought I wanted to major in psychology until we got more into the science part of it. <laughs> and that's where I got a little bit lost and then headed back to my business roots. I'm curious, you've been doing this for a while. Are there certain skills or is there a certain mindset that you've seen that really serves some people well in this industry? I think it's the ability to think on your feet and the ability to adapt quickly to, to rapidly changing market conditions. So when I first came into the industry, you know, a standard report would take two weeks to generate. Now, you know, two weeks is, is unacceptable for a lot of clients. So we really here at Toluna and at a lot of companies, they've adopted more of an agile approach. So getting the insights quicker, cutting out a lot of the time and still delivering, you know, keen insights that clients will use to make decisions. And how much of this also is, is having the ability to question your existing assumptions or thoughts? It's important, right? I mean, there's times when you go into a study thinking that the data is going to come out one way and it doesn't. And we deal with this all the time, particularly with some clients who, you know, they'll test a concept and they'll think it's going to do really well. And unfortunately, it doesn't. And the first assumption is, well, it's wrong. You know, the data is wrong. How, how can this be? And, you know, it's possible. Sure, it's wrong. But in many cases, it's not wrong. It could be because the, you know, the target audience was not correct, or the assumption is just not based on anything that's real. So yeah, it, it happens. And I've had to have difficult conversations with clients, explaining to them why their hypotheses did not turn out to be true. But you know, it's part of the business and it keeps things entertaining, I think, interesting at least. <laughs> 
you have experience across all phases of research, including uh, study design, sample planning, advanced data analysis, and actionable storytelling. Which part of research is your favorite and why? So I like the storytelling, right? Because it really ties everything together in a bow and you're able to hand something to the client and say, look, here's your answer. But in order to get there, you need a really well-designed questionnaire. But before you get to the questionnaire, you need to pick the right methodology. So it's a combination of all these things that I like. I'm personally more on the pre-sales end now. So I'm picking the methodology, determining who the target's going to be, determining what the base size is going to be. Then we sit back and we write the questionnaire um, or someone else on the team will write the questionnaire and then study will field, we'll get the data back and then looking at the data and weaving that data into a story. So it's not like, you know, this is what happens on slide two, this is what happens on slide three. It's taking all of that data and making a cohesive story and delivering it to the client. Mm-hmm. So you said there's been a lot of changes since you first started research more towards agile research. Tell me a little bit about the evolution and how it's changed and how it's really impacted your business, but also for clients. Sure. And you know maybe some of the things that people are doing really well, but some of the things that they really could also improve on. Sure. When I started out in the industry, there was no agile research, really. There were companies who were working on online data viewing tools. But you know, going back 15 years, I'm not aware of anyone who had anything that was that great, to be honest. So the studies were, they, they took longer. The companies, obviously, they had uh, field trackers. So you'd be able to see how many completes you had at any given time. But accessing the live data and running you know, crosstabs on that live data back then, it was difficult. Now there's a lot more tools to make viewing that data in real time more possible. So at Taluna, you know, we have our own proprietary platform and the back end is called Taluna Analytics. It allows users to slice the data by different subgroups, apply weighting, and all of this is real time. So the, the completes come in and you have access to that data within five minutes. So very different than when I started in the market. And now we're able to give clients updates, you know, when they're halfway through field, we could say, hey, this concept is the one that we think is going to win. Uh, 50% of the people prefer this one. So, you know, if you need to make a decision today, this is what I would do. Whereas 15 years ago, I'm not sure that we had the ability to do that. So I'm curious that with this emphasis on speed and being agile, has this required a new set of uh, skill sets that are necessary to be able to do it very quickly? So we built some templates that have enabled, you know, more DIY and assisted DIY research. So you're not starting from scratch per se. Um, and we have templates for concept tests, pack tests, studies like that. You basically go in and you can program your own study. Assuming you're using the template, you can program the study in probably 10, 15 minutes yourself, which cuts off you know, days and days in the project lifecycle. So yeah, I mean, you're definitely able to have quicker access to the data and able to get back to the client a lot quicker. Are you finding that with Agile Research that your clients are doing research even on a more regular basis than before? Yes and no. So I think we're in a strange situation now. We're we're in kind of like a post-COVID and we're dealing with inflation right now. And a lot of our clients have seen their budgets cut back. So I don't know that they're necessarily doing more projects per se, but they are doing more agile projects because they're putting more work in on their end because they have to in many cases. Um, But we're providing them with the tools that enable them to do that. Additionally, we do see a lot of departments have cut back. So we have had an increase in you know, some of our full service business as well, because there are smaller teams out there now as a result of this inflation. 
and smaller staffs. So that's where Toluna has come in and, and sort of lended a hand. If a client is shifting more towards agile research, are there three things you advise that they should keep in mind when they're doing that? So I would say knowing who your target is, is the most important. Not necessarily trying to fit everything into a template. So yes, it's good to start with a template, but you know if the template is not going to fit 100% of your needs, don't try to jam everything into the template. What's the most important thing when considering agile research for researchers? Knowing who to talk to, you know, knowing the type of research to apply. So if you're you know, trying to test uh, concepts, then obviously you would want to apply a concept testing template. You know, those are the main things. And then basically knowing what you're going to do with the data on the back end. And again, I think this comes back to questionnaire design. So when I draft a questionnaire, I'm thinking about how the data is going to come back and what I'm going to do with that data, especially in an agile environment, you're not going to have a lot of time to work with the data. So basically when we're writing the survey and when we're going in field, we're thinking, you know, we're going to look at this at top two box scores. We're going to look at the mean for this. We're going to compare these two subgroups. So I think trying to plan out the deliverable or or the report in your head is important also. You know, I think that's a really important point because a lot of times when people are doing surveys, they tend to put in everything that they're curious about, right? And end up having a very long list of questions and then they have to start cutting it back. That's right. So I'm curious, what tips would you give someone to cut that back? But I think more importantly is maybe would you recommend actually doing some sample data and see how they're going to use it on the back end so they'll be able to focus more on which questions are much more relevant and should be included? Yeah. So there've been times when we've done sort of like quick polls before we launch a survey, just to see, you know, what is going to be the most interesting component of, of this study or to cut down brand lists or attribute lists, you know, just to pare it down from the beginning. So I think that is certainly something that we look to do, especially for agile research. So you've been in the business of building research teams and, and putting them together. I'm curious, what have you found are the effective ways to build a, a solid research team? So I think it's good to have people from different backgrounds. So here at Toluna, we have people from traditional market research shops. We have people with science backgrounds. We have people with psychology backgrounds. So I think that's important to have a a well-rounded team. We also have people at different levels of their career. So to encourage further development, I think is important. So yeah, I think having people who have different strengths as well. So people who have analytic strengths, people who are better at writing, it's great to have different people on the team to bounce ideas off of. And then of course, everybody has to be responsive and dedicated and be able to work independently and is part of a team. So uh, I think those are the most important parts. You've talked a lot about data quality. First of all, tell us what data quality is. So data quality means that the results that you get from your study are actually accurate, right? So we were talking about hypotheses that did not turn out to be true, right? So, and I, I mentioned that the first inclination is the data is wrong. Data quality is often put under the microscope. So there could be a lot of things that are going on with data quality. There could be fraudulent responses. So we're in an online research environment. There could potentially be some bots who get into your survey that are just you know, clicking away and making nonsensical responses. Um, you could have people who are just unintentionally providing bad responses. You know, They just don't understand the questions. Maybe it was a poor survey design. There could be a lot of open-ended responses and people are just bored or they, they find the tasks tedious. So we look at a lot of different factors. There's also, we build in data quality checks at Toluna. So we check for straight linings, the people who are just going straight down the page. We look for people who are contradicting themselves earlier in the survey and later on. We include what's known as red herring questions. So these are supposed to be you know, really easy questions that if anyone's paying attention, they'll get them correct. 
So an example, if today is Tuesday, tomorrow must be which day, right? So, you know, anyone who's paying attention is going to get those questions correct, but you'd be surprised at how many people don't get them correct. Either they're misclicking or they're racing through. So data quality is really important. And we go through and we clean out those bad responses. How many of these types of red herring questions do you typically include? Usually for about one for every five minutes of survey content. So if you had a 15 minute survey, I'd probably have about three red herrings. Hmm. I guess it's a, it's a really a fine balance between, you know, keeping the survey length short, but also validating it at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it might be, I mentioned before that someone might misclick one time. If you have three red herrings and someone gets one wrong, it might be acceptable to keep that, that person in the sample. However, if they get two or three wrong, then chances are they're definitely not paying attention. What have you found as a sweet spot in terms of survey length? So 10 minutes, I would say, is the sweet spot. Typically 10 to 15. We're seeing a lot more people doing more micro surveys now. So quick, really three to five minute surveys just to get the data back very quickly. But we've noticed that attention starts to wane a little bit on the respondents end once you push past 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So unless the topic is extremely engaging or the survey is very interactive, you know, the respondents are dragging and dropping things, chances are the data quality might start declining after around the 15 minute mark. And with agile research, have you seen a, a difference in the quality of data you're getting? Is it better or equal or not as good? So it's a lot less qualitative, right? So in that way, it's kind of difficult to compare that data to a true full service study that involves both quant and, and qual. So on one hand, you know, we're able to get the data much quicker. We have those red herrings in place and we're able to validate the data fast, but we don't have the why element per se in many cases. That's the biggest difference, I think. And in some cases, it's fine. All the client's looking for is, you know, I need to know which one wins. I don't need to know why. In other cases, they do need to know why. And then maybe an agile solution is not the most appropriate. What are some recent developments you've seen in quantitative research and maybe some idea of where you think things are headed? I've actually seen more on the qual side. I've seen more with machine learning and, you know, the way that the data is coded you know, even when you're entering surveys, it's predictive analytics. So you start typing in a brand name and then it, it fills out the rest of it for you. So these types of implementations were never around when I first started 15 years ago. I'm curious, if you do that, does that also lend itself to the argument that it's being biased if you start kind of auto-filling? It's the pre-population one, potentially, right? Although, you know, if you're talking about soda brands, for example, and someone starts typing in PEP, you know they're talking about Pepsi. So I guess it depends on the context of the question, but you're right. It, it could potentially be biasing. How much work do you do in qual? Not a lot, to be honest. So Taluna, we have a qualitative offering, but most of what we do is, is quantitative. Hmm. But you're saying you're seeing the biggest changes in qual. Is that true? So what I've seen, the biggest changes have been in qual. I haven't been terribly exposed to qual. So you know where I've seen online discussion boards, I think things are getting more innovative now. But again, that's not really, it's probably because it's not my sweet spot. So that's why I'm learning more as I go. Interesting. So what do you see on the horizon in terms of what changes do you envision coming in, you know, in terms of market research on, on either side, qual or quant? So we're reaching a point where I'm not sure that we can get much faster without compromising data quality. The industry is constantly faced with battling this quality issue. So yes, it's important to get the results quickly, but you know, clients need to be aware that the quicker we go, we're also more susceptible to errors. So yes, we're going to continue to push and go as quickly as we can go. But I think there also needs to be in the back of our mind, the expectation that maybe sometimes we're pushing a little too fast. So it's impossible to automate everything, 
I think we're getting to a point where, you know, we will be able to automate a lot, but I don't see, you know, computers replacing me, hopefully, anytime soon. Yeah, the automation, the speed actually is coming in the area of data collection and launching. But in terms of analysis and interpretation and storytelling, I think that still regards the human element, doesn't it, as much? So to a certain extent, yes. But again, it depends on what the client's looking for. When I first started, we were delivering 100 slide decks that took two weeks to generate. Most clients don't need that anymore. So a lot of clients will opt instead for a dashboard, right? So they could have an interactive dashboard where they're able to cut the data by different subgroups and see how their concepts are testing or how their awareness levels are. And that doesn't require written analysis. A lot of clients will work with that. On the other hand, there are clients who still want that human element, the analysis. So we can still provide the dashboard and we can analyze it and provide a written write-up along with that. So it's kind of a compromise. Interesting. What area of market research would you like to delve into more and why? So personally, you know, my experience is in ads, ad testing um, coming from Ipsos. But here, we haven't done a ton of that at Saluna. So you know, just to get back to my roots, I'd like to do a little bit more of that in the future. I like testing trailers, commercials. It's really interesting to me because you know, we can actually impact how the result is going to change. The client will come to you with what they think they're going to launch in market. And then you test it and you see, you know, at the 30 second mark, people found this element very boring or off-putting. And then the client will change the ad and then you see it in market and you can say, hey, you know, that change was based on my research, which makes you feel good. Can you give an example of an ad testing uh, project that really made a big difference after you did the testing? Yeah. So we tested trailers for a company that manufactured fitness monitors Mm -hmm. and they had a a campaign or different ads that they tested and they were pretty comical, the ads. And some of them were tested better than others. And parts of the ads were reworked and then all the ads were relaunched. And I actually saw them on air and, uh, you know, satisfying feeling to know that we had a positive impact on that project. What would you say are the right ways to do ad testing? Because you've done this for a while. And I know sometimes people say, well, it costs a lot of money and I got to spend a lot on production and and so on. So what advice do you give them and what's the proper way to do ad testing? So again, it depends on what clients are looking to do. So at Ipsos, we did a lot of continuous tracking. So we would go into field before the ad aired and then we'd be in field continuously as the ad built. So we'd be able to track, you know, here's your awareness for this level of ad spend. If the client wants to do a continuous tracker, that's how we would do that. You'd be able to overlay the ad spend with the awareness metrics and KPIs. So you'd be able to tell, you know, when you spend X dollars, you can expect this kind of lift going forward. Or you can do a simple pre-post study where you test your metrics before your campaign hits. And then once the campaign hits, you test the same survey essentially afterwards, and you're able to compare the results and hopefully, you know, see the lift you've gotten from that campaign. How about message testing before you actually do final production? How much of that do you recommend that clients do? Again, it depends on what... Some commercials don't have a lot of messaging. Sometimes it's just a visual or not everything that we test is TV ad also. Could be just a digital ad with you know just a picture. I would say though, yes. I mean, if there is wording involved, it should be tested prior to the full commercial or full ad. So if you had the opportunity to have lunch with anyone in the market research field, who would you want to have lunch with and why? It's <laughs> a good question. You know, given my interest in movies, it would be interesting to talk to the CEO of some movie house and, and determine how are they casting the actors? Do they test that? Is that just something that the director comes up with? So I'd be interested in learning about that. Well, I want to thank you for the time to join me on the podcast today, Dan. It was a pleasure talking to you. 
I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Getting to AHA was brought to you by iResearch. To find out more about us, head to iResearch.com. And make sure to search for Getting to AHA in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And don't forget to click follow to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you for listening.